Oh man, that was a weird one. I need to like be a little bit deeper, a little more. Yo, like yo. All right, yeah. Listen, this week, God, I, are you sick of us saying this week was an unreal episode? Because I'm not getting sick of saying it for sure. This this week's episode was such a wild ride for us and i mean wild like in the best way possible this week's was fucking awesome greg agreed what do, what do we do this week so this week we uh were discussing revelation 009 uh bold speak out we had drew back well we had we also had we invited drew and tim yes we had drew and then tim brooks the bass player on, on Speak Out record. Yes. And, you know, they both still play with Bold to this day when Bold yes. uh, plays. But we also had uh, the party we added to the – I don't even want to say crashed because that's like a negative connotation because this is the best kind of party crash. We had Jordan Cooper, yes. um, who we talked to in episode 007. And we had uh, Ray Capo um, yeah, when- as well. Because we didn't invite Ray. Jordan must have invited Ray because Jordan actually had some questions that he couldn't answer. And so he deferred to Ray. And then he was like, hey, just text Ray. Let's get him in on, on this party line. And I, I cannot believe how cool that experience came out. No, the whole th- I mean, to have this opportunity to do these episodes and do, the, do these interviews and then have everybody that we've talked to be so cool it makes Mm -hmm. me and i hope it does the same thing for everybody listening it makes me want to listen to those records oh yeah we got off the interview last week it made me want to listen to youth today and made me want to listen to bold because all these guys are so freaking cool and super nice and um it just it's really awesome. So Yeah, I, I have to actually go somewhere after this, after we're done recording, and I'm going to put on the way it is in the car because I want to hear that version of Wise Up. And then yeah. I'm going to put on the search because I want to hear having my say. You know, I want to hear some of these, maybe and maybe some of the, like, the deeper tracks, the deeper cuts, because everyone knows Nailed to the X, right? And, and everyone, Wise Up. And- yeah, and Wise Up, but like, uh, we'll get to my hot track from the record, but like now I want to hear it again. I want to listen to it. And same, we always do the three of us, Greg, myself, and Jason always do uh, research for these episodes and we read whatever we can. We find zines, we find books, and we listen to the records. We, I watched YouTube videos. I watched, you know, a video on YouTube of bold playing Washington DC for the first time. Right. That's, and so I listened to Speak Out, and uh, it reminded me of why the hot track is my, my hot track is my favorite. You know, I was like, yeah, the song fucking rules. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to, it's a good interview. We want to get into it. But first, I think it's time that we. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess first I want to give a. Um, a, a bit of bow, even though it's sort of some sad thing, but something on my mind uh, to the entire like Texas hardcore scene. Um, I know is. we had mentioned on our social media, you know, when Riley Gale from Power Trip passed, and then 
right before we recorded this, we got uh, word that Wade uh, Allison from Iron Age passed away. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big blow, I think, just to the hardcore community in general. But I have a lot of friends mm-hmm. uh, in Texas, and I know Texas people are, are really bummed out right now. So I just wanted to let everybody know I, I can speak for myself here and, and I'm sure for the, for the rest of these guys that like my heart goes out, like, you know, hardcore, there's obviously times where, you know, we can get frustrated with it and things happen and drama, but as a whole, it's, it's an amazing community and, um, you know, we'll, we all have to pull together, but extra love to Texas right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I want to send some love out to my dude, James K justified arrogance, um, watching his Instagram for the past two weeks or so and all of the Texas hardcore history that he's put out there has been really cool to read because honestly, mm-hmm. third, third coast is not, not something that I've followed very carefully for the past, you know, f- my, my whole time in hardcore. I don't know a lot about those bands and to see how he talks about Riley and, and Wade touching people's lives and touching the community and to, to see all of my friends posting about it. Cause I didn't know either of those guys personally at all. Yeah. And I, and I didn't either. I wanted to make that so, clear. I just know that mm-hmm. I know people who have been, well, first off, I'm a fan of the music, you know, sure. yeah. I love that Texas, you know, bitter end iron age um, power trip, but you know, friends are like, I want to give a bit of bow to my good friend Balaram Shakti. Yeah, a bit of bow, Balaram um, Shakti. Because I know, Absolutely. you know, people are hurt. People are hurting, and um, we just hope. You know, one of the things I said when I shared the post is not that we're trying to just move past and ignore it, but like those guys both loved hardcore. We're doing this because we love hardcore. We love each other. Yeah. We value. We value these friendships. I mean, I talk to Hav and Jason every day, and um, just you know, tell your tell your friends that you appreciate them, because yeah. you never know. So you know that's and you know that's all I have to say something something that has come across to me from James K's posts and through all of this, and also recording this podcast is like I have to be kinder to people. Uh, you know, I, I've <laughs> I'm a bit abrasive on the internet sometimes, and you. Yeah, weird, right? And I, I can't. I I I had to grow up a little bit and and move past that because I don't want my words reflecting poorly on the two of you or on the podcast or anything. So I have to watch what I say a little bit more these days. And, uh, you know, thinking about what I want my legacy to be and what I want people to remember me about when I pass. And mm-hmm. there's. I, I can say safely, there's no, no way that people would look at me as highly as they look at Riley Gale. And I yes. think that that's a very strong- I didn't mean yes, like- his, yes, no, yes, yes, you're, you're right. <laughs> no, but no, no, I thought that too. I was like, yeah. you know, and it was the same thing. And it's the people, the people that come from this scene. You know, I, I talked about it before, you know, because of life, I think your involvement and your interest can, can sort of be like a, a, a wave, you know, where there's mm-hmm. times where you're more into it than others because you're busy with life, you're busy raising a family, you're busy with work, you're tired of drama, so you're, you're you know, 
I mean, even when we talked to people in these bands, there was times where they kind of were out of hardcore because they were sick of, you know, stuff going on. But at the end of the day, every close friend that I have came from this and you hear about Riley and you hear these stories and, and they make me smile. They also make me sad that I never got to know him. Not because he was in power trip, but because he sounded like a really cool fucking dude. And you know, it was the same thing. I remember when uh, John Bunch passed, it was just a bunch of people talking about how um, great of a person he was. And at the end of the day, it's a nice legacy to have. We wish these people were still with us. And that's why we do, we all need to be more kind and we all need to be more appreciative of our, our friends and of people we don't really even know, but if they're in this hardcore scene with us, they probably have the same issues that we have and we should all just be nicer to each other and value everybody, even if yeah. maybe we don't agree on everything. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there. You know what I yeah, appreciate? Thank you. I appreciate people with their kind words for our podcast and strangers. I never expected people that I don't know to be leaving us good reviews on Apple Podcasts or to be become our patrons on Patreon, subscribe to our email list, follow us on Instagram, send us messages talking about their experiences in hardcore. Like it's incredible to me. So bid it both yeah. to everyone who mm-hmm. has supported us, who has posted about us, who has recommended us, who has talked to us. Uh, you know, I cannot wait for the world to open up a little bit more. I don't, I'm, first of all, I don't think we would have had this experience of making this heart, this podcast if the world hadn't been shut down because we had to do something. The three of us had to fucking do something involved in hardcore because yeah, we I got played in itch. bands. Yeah. yeah, Jason plays in bands. I've played in bands. Jason's like designing stuff that's hardcore punk related now. And so I can't wait to get out there in the world and actually talk to people and, you know, meet new people who maybe are like, Oh yeah, you're that guy. Like I listened to your podcast and it'll fucking blow my mind. I guarantee you it'll blow my mind. The first time that I talk to a stranger at a hardcore show, who's like, Oh, you do that. That's fucking cool. Or maybe someone who was like, Oh, I have this bit of info for you. Or I played with this band or I did this. Or why the fuck don't you like breakdown? You asshole. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Or why don't you like sick people? (laughs) Have you heard sick people? (laughs) Unity? Seriously? I was going to say, um, (laughs) Oh yeah. We won't even go there. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, we appreciate it. And if you haven't yet, please, write a review on apple give give a rating five stars i know that me now as a listener i listen to a bunch of podcasts i've been making sure to go and rate and write yeah. a review um because it, it it helps so for any podcast you listen to not just us give feedback because i can speak probably for everybody that you know we like to hear it so i wanted mm-hmm. to also give um a, a bit of bow to uh triple x fanzine book i posted on the instagram the uh, youth of today interview that was referenced last episode but that book is a monster um it's definitely worth owning there's tons of interviews and new interviews with people that were interviewed back then uh it's on bridge nine so check that out and i wanted to give a bit of bow to something i've been listening to a lot lately that's 
Rev-related, uh, the New Shades Apart album uh, came out a couple weeks ago on Hell-Minded Records, and it's great. So if you like Shades Apart, um, pick it up. Cool. Yo, what do you say we get into this interview? I agree. Let me bit a bow real quick. Oh, yeah. Let me bit oh, a bow yeah. some, some, some people real quick. I know I'm, I'm normally quiet, but um, thanks to Bill Conway from Hard Times. He kind of has bow. been giving good advice on, on how things work and um, bit a bow to Ace from Form of Passion. He's been bit giving me some words of encouragement. And I highly suggest everyone check out his um, interview uh, with uh, Regulate. It gets to the last 10 minutes of it. It's pretty inspiring words for what's going on right now, especially here in Richmond. So um, the, I want to just give a bit of to them and I want to give all my love to everybody in Texas. Texas was probably the first place Count Me Out played and people gave us a good response. So I've always got a soft spot in my heart for Texas. So this Texas goes out to them. Yeah. Oh yes. I love Texas Goes out to too. Wade Allison and, um, and to Riley Gale. Yeah. And hardcore. This entire and podcast is just dedicated to hardcore. That encompasses all of us. <laughs> Enjoy well, the you interview. Got these, you have these people that are friends. You can see that they're friends for, they're bonded for life. You got Ray chiming in to talk about how much he loves bold and, shares good memories from when they started out so yeah and that's like 35 years ago so these are enduring relationships so like we said be kind to one another and uh enjoy the interview yes here we go so talk is cheap All right, so uh, let's get started. Today, we are here with Drew and Tim from yeah. Bold that played on Speak Out. And we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Speak Out, but let's go to the prehistory of that and talk about crippled youth. And I read an interview in a Good and Plenty zine, which we, we got the Good and Plenty books from Drawdown Books. Huge bit of boat of Drawdown for that. Mm -hmm. But Matt said that he was 13 playing in Crippled Youth and that he was playing guitar and singing at the same time. So right. you guys do Crippled Youth, put out the demo. And then Ray Capo told us that he, I guess, kind of influenced y'all to change your name to Bold. So uh, could you confirm or deny that? I mean, I feel like, first of all, you today were a huge influence on us. When we first did our, uh, our initial show, Crippled Youth, playing for, with the Descendants in the summer of, what was it, Tim, 85? Yeah. Right? Summer of 85, uh, we met all those guys. We met, you know, Ray and, and John and, like, uh, Richie from Underdog. It was such a big show because it was the Descendants. So everyone was there. Uh, and we all hit it off so, so well. We kind of, like, at that time, were more of a punk rock band in terms of what our set list was, our songs were like, uh, we'd retitle everything. Initially, they ran the gamut of like stuff called like uh, Place to Call My Own or Desperate for Beer. We were covering like Pat Brown was a, was a hero by the Vandals or like Meat Men songs. Seven Seconds, we were covering them. So when we ended up uh, 
becoming good friends with those guys, just like right off the top, we just kind of repositioned all the stuff that we were doing. And me, me and Matt immediately kind of got uh, into the idea of like, look, we're all a bunch of like friends hanging out together. Let's just kind of like morph all this stuff. And, and we rewrote most of the lyrics for all those songs. And, you know, so what was once this song became like Walk Tall, Walk Straight or Positive Scene and repositioned all those songs and kind of that became like the core of like that youth crew stuff along with youth of today. Um, and Tim, who was at that first show that, uh, as far as band wise, was it just you, me and Matt, or was Zulu playing with us at that show? Uh, did Zulu play that show? It's a good question. I think it just was the three of us. Yeah, I believe so. So yeah, Matt was playing, just playing guitar and singing. Uh, we'd have to do that once in a while because we were so young still, you know, that sometimes someone couldn't go to a show. Um, but as things progressed, we kind of started to veer off a little bit from the youth of today stuff. We started doing more of our own thing. But in the interim, I thought it was actually John Priscelli who said, you know what, you guys should change your name because there's a big difference between 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. So we're like, you know, a year and a half, two years older. And we're not like these, like, I think as Purcell put it, you guys aren't these like little punk rock kids anymore. You're like more like these hardcore guys and you've written the stuff and like, let's go do these, uh, like you need a name that has more of a statement for like this, like youth crew stuff basically. So I don't think Crippled Youth is going to cut it. And then we, I remember being on a train ride uh, from New York City up to Katona, I think it was after a show weekend and I was going home, I believe it was me, Tim, were you this? Yeah, yeah was me and Tim and Matt and Purcell. And we just were, you know, riffing, trying to come up with names. And I believe it was probably, was it Purcell that came up with Bold? came up with Bold. Mm -hmm. He's like, because we had all different kinds of shit. We were like, what about like Kaboom? There was <laughs> like, a cereal that <laughs> for a called Kaboom. And what was, was that, Tim? Bad sugary cereal. And yeah, yeah. It like had a clown on it. And we thought yeah. it was something that maybe be fun. There's a, like, um, just like the graphic of it, you know? I was like, oh, yeah. But it was something that had like, was kind of in your face. And then for so, I think for so, I was just like, how about bold? Like, just, you're bold. <laughs> and um, I, we were, I think we kind of just let it see if it stuck with us. You know, initially, I think it was almost that like detergent laundry softener thing was like a, a thing at the beginning where like is this too much like the like that product there was a laundry detergent called bold or something yeah like, and there's one called all day. too yeah right like, all, yeah <laughs> right exactly but there's a there's an interview i saw with matt I, I think it was in the all ages book where he talks about he's at a show with either porcel or, or capo uh, and ian mckay's there and he talks yeah. to ian mckay and they're like oh they they just changed their name to bold and he said, I liked Crippled Youth better. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I think, I think it's, it's interesting because I've talked to people that, that, that like that better and that like the idea that we weren't assimilating to the whole thing that I guess people would come to like look at as like this youth crew movement. Uh, it was more, a little bit more like a punk kid type of event. And who knows if we had kept that aspect of it what would have happened but it just wasn't meant to be i mean part of us all getting together and going further down this rabbit hole of like you know um you know bold youth of today gorilla biscuits see like gorilla biscuits has more of a punk rock aesthetic i think too the way that, that definitely did it. and i think that's that's done well for him but uh i don't think it was ray 
You know, I don't, I didn't remember it being Ray. Did you, Tim? As far no, as maybe he made the initial suggestion, but Purcell definitely came up with the name. Right. Maybe he was just like the, hey, you guys got to change your name. Uh, you know, he, we need something a little bit more serious if you want to be in with these like New York City. Bands. I think he was crafting that. That's yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I think to some degree, you know, it, he might have been thinking like, you know, that there is a, you know, carrying like this group of. Uh, you know, uh, or seen around, you know, there's a way of like doing this right. So that might have made sense in terms of like the optics of it. Uh, but directly speaking, yeah, Purcell came up with the name. But yeah, it's, I think it was a package because, you know, you had True Blue before it was Underdog. Uh, and I think that I, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily put Underdog into that. But Richie certainly started playing for Youth of Today. And I feel like a lot of those initial names got changed around that time. And did you have the logo right? What what logo? Uh, you had the square logo that said bold, and then you have the bold logo with the two lines. That's classic. So did that come up around the same time as the name change? And was it? Um, um, well, my my mother is an artist, and she always had those like uh, rub off letters that she would uh -huh. use for like artwork or just like notes on things. So Matt and I, uh, when he'd come over, we just like do crippled use stickers with like just weird whatever font was laying around and that was like the impact like machine font and yeah. i remember we just did that um we did that and um uh sorry i lost my train of thought uh that's all right started rubbing those off and for stickers we had the ones that were like the inserts in the initial like uh later pressings of of the crippled youth record that just said bold and it had the hockey players on it and those mm -hmm. were like the rub off so it started that way that one, yeah, exactly. So like those the letters yeah. were like the type that, that you'd rub off mm -hmm. from like my mom's art area. And uh, and then eventually like from like the Run DMC logo. Oh, uh, uh, okay. The bars and it transitioned to that. Yeah, because didn't yeah. we have a t-shirt, Tim, that was uh, before the bars, we had the machine font one. We That yeah. was that in the middle? Between yeah. the triple youth. Those are the ones that we did to like a, a remake of a few years ago that had sort of that grill in the front. You know? And that, yeah. that, was, that was before we had the bars. Yeah. Yes. And then hand drawn in the back, there was some artist from Mayapac. I don't know how we right. found him or Matt found him. Um, right. But we ended up, I remember going over one day into like his little attic space and showing him the photo and he had nothing to do with hardcore. But um, kind of understood the concept and it was prior to any scans or any sort of higher right. like tech uh, versions of doing silkscreen. He just literally like hand drew the, the record cover and slapped that on the back there. Mm. Kind of kept it, but it's like very basic design. Was that for the first bold t-shirt? That was the first bold one. Yeah, I think of that, that we officially like had made. Because like, we did the, our first, the only t-shirts we had for crippled youth, we did ourselves. Tim was screening them at his house. Like again, he's you know he he was able to do that. Him and his his mom worked in a lot of like you know uh, graphic art stuff like that. So we did all those initial shirts. What did we just have? We had black and red both, right? We, we were doing those and two things. Yeah. So we got it like uh, just yeah. the local grocery store. Yeah. And that was it. That was it until we got I guess, that initial bold shirt, and then we were kind of psyched. Uh, eventually, like, we're going to get a Wishing Well shirt. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. that's the big deal, man, the four-sided thing. Yeah, four absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that I wanted to ask next was that, 
So I was looking through the, uh, the search discography LP. And at the same time that you guys recorded for the together seven inch, you recorded a version of always try that was supposed to be on a uh, comp on wishing well, changing of the changing of leads. Um, can you talk about that? Like, was that when you already thought you were going to be on wishing well, or did the comp, you know, in doing that, they asked you for the comp first and then decided to do a full record. Tim, do you remember that session? You know, because this, this would be a good question for Matt, unfortunately, um, because he was corresponding with Pat Longry quite a bit. And there was, there was a lot of uh, back and forth between them. But I think that did precede any talks of like speak out, what would become speak out on their record label that that was like maybe the initial thing. I don't even remember discussion of what track might be on the compilation. Um, right. But yeah, I'm not sure. So then it was always and they'd write letters and uh, there was a lot of back and forth between the two of them. Yeah. I mean, I talked to Jordan a couple of days ago, trying to catch up with some of this stuff to remember. And he thought that, that wishing well actually even had the real to real. So we had recorded the whole record for wishing well, because when Jordan got the, the tapes, it said yeah. WW on it. And uh, so like, I believe that there was just like, they probably had, gotten to a place where they were kind of overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that was going on with the label. And we kind of fell through the cracks with a lot of it. But um, at that time, I guess, working up to it, you know, we already had a significant amount of the material that we had worked on at shows. I mean, we were probably playing like, probably like over 50% of those songs, like Talk is Cheap, Wise Up, um, Nailed to the X, you know, all that stuff we were playing at shows already. I think maybe when it got closer to being in the studio, we only, we, I think we probably did stuff like Still Strong. The Search was all later, like right up around the time we got it in there, Change Within. Um, so we kind of, we had most of it, but I, I believe that like, there was just like a chunk that we did right before we got to the studio. Um, okay. But I don't remember exactly what the, I didn't, I wasn't privy really to like that correspondence. So Matt knows most about like what happened between those two, but it just sounds to me like, I know that Ray wanted us to on the, on Rev. Cause he's like, look, this record's done. You guys are taking forever to do it. Just come over to Rev. But it right. wasn't Rev at the time. It was, uh, Jordan wanted to call it schism. <laughs> so. Yeah, they, they talked about that. And, and I saw on the, on the bold, Instagram, the official Bold Instagram, which people should follow at Bold Hardcore. Um, you guys posted, uh, like, I guess, like an ad. I don't know if you can see it here for, and it was originally called Reaching Out. Yeah. Yeah. It says 12, uh, Bold, formerly crippled youth, reaching out 12 song LP coming soon. That <laughs> design, that looks like a, a matte design that may have been attached to a flyer or something that we handed out at a show. I don't think that was ever. I don't remember right. that being in a publication or, or like. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool though. Cause like yeah. wishing well, I mean, we, we talked about wishing well a lot with Porcel last right. week. I mean, for me, especially uniform choice. I mean, that record was huge for me. So yeah. and I know reading an interview with Matt, he talked about you guys, you know, and I'm guessing maybe especially him, like he loved blast. Like he's like, we wanted to be on this label with uniform choice and unity and blast, but 
I think in hindsight, it's so much better that it ended up coming out on Revelation. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's one of those things where maybe at the time you're like, ah, oh, because Revelation was like an upstart and Wishing Well was maybe more known. Um, but yeah, so it ended up being like, I think, beneficial that it came out on Revelation because they kept it in print, you know, yeah. for so long. And, you know, yeah. some of these Wishing Well things you can't find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. I think we were just so excited at the time because we were such fans of what was on the catalog. I mean, um, and, and of course, like their merch was next level. Yeah. And we were, yeah. you know, that was like a big thing. So we're like, okay, you know, we love Uniform Choice. We love Unity. We love Uniform Choice. You know, Blast is amazing. Like, let's, you know, Youth of Today had, uh, you know, gotten, gotten, you know, down with them. And then we thought like, this is going to be really awesome for us. And then, you know, it's one of those situations that you find like it's just, it's just hurting us more than it's helping us. We're going to have to readjust like, you know, what we want out of this. And uh, we were lucky. Yeah, we were lucky to, you know, that at the time those guys were starting that record label because I don't, you know, we were ready to go. You know, we have these songs. We're like, let's get in and record. Um, the only thing is now in hindsight, we were really excited to get in and record, but Electric Reels Studio was probably like, the worst place we could have done it. We're coming in, obviously, I talked with Perselli with you guys about yeah. doing Down the Walls record there. And it was a, a much different layout. It was a much different studio. And Tim reminded me of this. Like when I had gone in just a year before, it was a smaller studio. There was the, the, the layout of the whole studio was different. The board they were using was different, but we're young. You know, we don't think of it in terms of like, okay, this is different gear. This is yada, yada. We're just seeing like, there's like, there's more space. It looks like they have a bigger console. Right. Yeah. Bigger is better. You know, that's right. what I would be thinking as a kid. Like, oh, this is going to be great. Right. And, uh, and we, yeah. we, we had recorded there too. We did the two songs for together there. Oh, we thought, oh okay. this is, you know, maybe, you know, just to sound much bigger in this room. The right. drums, like there's all this space. You've got this new like high tech gear. Right. But he was learning while, while we were there. Um, yeah, it sounds like it. And it was like a kid in the candy store, just like yeah. all these effects on Drew's drums and didn't right. Work. I was listening to it. There's literally, I was I couldn't believe it. I, to to brush up on here and some of this stuff, I like listening. There's like flanger all over my snare drum mm-hmm. on like t- on talking sheep. It's like they just left on the drum kit the whole time. It's crazy. <laughs> you like, know, I, I listened to the record the other day in my car, mm-hmm. and I could really hear most drums and vocals right yeah. right the guitar is super low the bass right. only really pops a couple times and yeah, so yeah. those are like the, the chorus focuses of, of it yeah mm-hmm. it's so weird though yeah i agree I, I i thought that like there's just like such a lack of definition and what in like the guitars uh on that record it's it's a shame because you know like i i listen to the songs like the songs are cool you know, yes. Matt's vocals sound great. Yes. And like, yeah. I'm like, I like this record. Yeah, the I songs just, are there. You know, it's such a bummer. Like, I remember even just having like a, a conversation with Matt maybe a year ago and we were talking about uh, working on a re-release and thinking like, man, if we had, you know, you're just young. You're not thinking like, well, 
you know, you're knowledgeable about studios. So let's go into Dawn Furies because that's what we're going to do. It's like, in hindsight, that would have been perfect. But we're thinking like, well, we're not that far away from Electric Reels and we did Youth of Today was done there. And so it's going to be fine. You know, you don't, you're not thinking in the head of someone who is like, you know, how is this going to sound in 35 years? And right. You know, you're yeah. I mean, you're it. 15 years old. I, exactly. Geez, I, I or miss. even the stuff, you know, when I was 15 or 16 mm -hmm. and recorded 10 years after speak out. Yeah. If we, I did, didn't sound as good as that. You know what I mean? So it's like, maybe yeah. it doesn't have this, the sound that you guys wanted, but it's still, yeah. I, I wonder if it's like, if you're comparing it to other records, I guess it's, it's difficult because you compare it to break down the walls. And like you said, right, break right. down the walls just sounds like a better quality. And right, then we right. talked, I think before the interview last week with Porcel about there was that bold youth of today split CD where the entire batch was like defective or something. Okay. You remember that at all? Cause that would have been a huge bummer. I would feel like. What was that? Remember on honesty, when you count in honesty, there's like a, like a weird glitch on it and it's not okay. like, what was this? Honest. I don't know what the CD is though. Like what was that, that came out. Uh, remember when we played that, that show at Rutgers. Was it for bold? It was a split with yeah, bold. It's 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 break down the walls and speak out on one CD. I actually oh, found one on eBay and it was supposed to be here because I wanted to listen. I'd never heard that version. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, it probably won't be here till Monday. That's that was my first way of taking in both of those records. Honestly, was buying right. that CD from the record store, and I had no idea. I was just like, oh, cool, two Revelation bands at once. Like, what a value, you know? Right. And maybe that was like um one of the selling points originally, but I, I didn't even know because I haven't listened to that CD for a long time either. So I didn't know that the whole thing was warbly. It was just like, I I, I kind of always knew that there was something a little muddy about the recording, but I always fucking loved the songs and that was more important. Thanks, to me. man. Yeah, I mean, I wish that like, it's interesting. I want to backtrack a minute though. And Tim, that to, the stuff we did for the, you said we were already in there recording at one yeah. point that together friday night one fall and we okay. did talk is cheap and always try okay and so was that was the was the studio different than when we recorded speak out or was it they had started construction on okay. that main live room but right. they were still using the smaller uh room do you notice the difference on the walls so do you notice the difference is you think it sounds better the the on the together uh, compilation then the, obviously there was, there was like one hour of pre-production there so we just kind of loaded in stuff right but it's super raw like the together yeah. it's nice yeah. and raw and yeah real heavy like, like a live this, rehearsal recording. well this says yeah. gas house studios did it have a different name which one Black. so so here it says that the together and the wishing well comp the always try and uh talk is cheap both recorded at the same time at Gas House Studios. Huh. Was, was that Electric Reels with like under a different name or? I don't remember it as that. Oh, okay. That's, I, I don't know. That's, but I do think, um, I mean, when we talk about the, the you're getting that kind of rawness, I, there's a, a speak out, I guess Rev did like a, a, like a CD digipack kind of thing that's also on YouTube that's got Having My Say after the search which wasn't originally on the record right to that that was done at the same session as the wise up from the from the rev mm. uh new york city comp and, and it sounds so much better to me it that does. The music it does. Box, 
I had the CD. I had the CD, and that was my first. I was like, all of a sudden, there's this extra track at the end, and I'm like, oh, this is like clear and heavy, and and that that also says that it was recorded, like you said, at the same time as the way it is comp. I would love to have heard like even the music box, which is just this little hole in the wall studio on Avenue B back in the day. I think we went in there just a couple of months or something after we did Speak Out to record. Uh, it was also in Super Touch. We had like a book to set joint session to go for the for the for the RevCon. Um, and I still listen today, and I like what that version of Wise Up that's on that is one of my favorite things uh, in the Bowl catalog. And I wish that Same. that whole record uh, Speak Out could sound even like it did on that one song because you have this whole record's worth of songs that I think you know if it was just done even at like music box would have been a completely different dynamic audibly. Porcel said so, if that was recorded at Don Fury, if right. he said, if speak out was done yeah. at Don Fury's, it would have been the most legendary, like it would, it would have held. Yeah. To, I mean, I know Javier and like, I think it holds up with all the other stuff, but I think it would be more highly regarded at the same right. way as like, yeah. you know, your start today, your break down the walls. Right, but it just unfortunately yeah. is a victim of that's what happens, you know. I mean, it's just, that's that's that goes on out there, and I think you know that's the story for that record. I mean, I think it's still a great record. Like I said, I I feel like the band, when you listen to that record, we were trying. You hear us starting to make a departure from like the straight up like youth of today uh, influence that we had because yeah. mm-hmm. we were at a point where like, you know, we had done the crippled you seven inch and as we're getting into this other stuff, you know, a lot of there's, you know, we don't sound just like youth today on speak out. We're moving into wow. a place where, you know, we have, you know, like a lot of the beats I was doing, like mosh part stuff. It's not your typical, like straight edge, like kind of like, you know, tribal mosh beat thing. I'm doing a lot more like kind of skank, like backbeat uh, halftime parts, um, a lot of the music we're doing like didn't have like the typical sections that we would use in like a, in some of those other other you know uh, records like Break Down the Walls. And I think maybe some of it that hurt us in a way because people were like, well, Bold's a little bit left left of center from what we're used to with like a Judge or a or a, a Youth of Today stuff like that. And so, right. That became more present as we moved along with the material right through the seven inch, you know. Right. And the thing the thing is too is like I always thought that just saying that bold speak out sounds exactly like youth of today is like a lazy totally comparison. Yeah. I don't think it sounds anything (laughs) like I feel like we were friends with them. And I feel like if you (laughs) look at the fact that uh, those seven inches have a commonality to it. We're all friends. That's one thing, but it's like the, the definitely the record takes a departure from that whole situation we did today. I think it's absolutely. You guys, we <laughs> have just been joined by a special surprise guest. Yes. We got Mr. Jordan Cooper in the house. What's up? Right. Good to see you again. What up? Right. He's, this is a perfect uh, juncture for you to join in because we were just. I was mentioning how I spoke to you the other day about where uh, we uh, met up with Rev, how that kind of got together because we weren't supposed to be on, we were supposed to be on Wishing Well. So that was- Yeah, well, do you remember which Wishing Well number you were gonna be? <laughs> I'm gonna look it up, sorry. 
Um, that was because I think we have a tape that actually says "Wishing Well" with a number on it. That's the bold reels. I feel like it was. Uh, it, at that point, it probably would have been like seven or eight, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. that was going to be my guess. Is Ray, is Ray joining us? So Jordan was saying how like because Ray called us uh, and was like, "Don't you know? Don't be on wishing well. You know, it's it's not gonna, it's not gonna. It's, they're taking too long. You know, you guys don't want to do that." He's like, "You should be on uh, on uh, what me and Jordan are doing. It's on Schism." And somehow I feel like Jordan was reminding me it was the record label at the time was supposed to be Schism, but. I felt like me and Matt were kind of like, ah, it sounds just like, you know, like, you know, there's a schism going on. It's kind of negative, but I think Ray didn't like it. So he kind of wanted to parlay us into the reason why it wasn't because he didn't want to use schism. So he was like, yeah, those guys will be on Rev, but you have to call it Revelation Records. <laughs> so I didn't remember that. I didn't think we were the reason it, that, that uh, it got changed, but Jordan's yeah, that was a big that was a big disagreement between Ray and, and me, and uh, and and that was how he convinced me because I was like, no, I don't care. Like we're do, we're gonna call it schism, and we even had the labels done for the Warzone record. But he ha he was thinking so far ahead about the label that he had a bunch of records kind of figured out already, and and uh, he he was trying to get the he was trying to convince you guys to to do it. Um, on Rev instead of Wishing Well, plus they were taking a long time to get it done. So um, yeah, that was a story. He, he came right. to me and he said, all right, well, guess what? I got great news. We can do the Bold album. They'll, they'll move it from Wishing Well to Rev, but you have to call, we have to call the label Revelation. They don't like the name Schism. I was like, shit, <laughs> all right, I guess, I guess it's Revelation. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate that, man. <laughs> It's funny because it's not something that I would have thought back in the time that like that would have mattered to us at all. I feel like kind of Ray was pushing that on us, but uh, like I feel like we just wanted to get the record out. I don't, I don't remember thinking like, wow, I don't like that name. Um, but it makes more sense that if Ray didn't like it, he'd find a way to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, but maybe Matt didn't like it either. I don't know. And right. you were saying that, yeah, just schism had kind of a negative connotation because yeah. it means like division. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that we were into the the Revelation Records uh, title as a, as a, you know, as a record label, thought it sounded cool. Um, and I didn't realize though that we had, so you guys had so many releases already stacked up. Me like, neither. Right out of the gate. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's, what is, uh, Speak Out is nine, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Nine. Yeah. And, and it reminded me that uh, the comp was before us, right? The comp was like released. Yeah, but I think the order of everything was just kind of like, it was a, there was a bunch of stuff already stacked up way before it even came uh, right. came to happen because right. we talked about this on the two episodes ago where uh, the seven inch comp was kind of like a, a placeholder because Ray knew he wanted to do it as an, a full length but like quickly we'll do the seven inch and then we'll do the the, the LP whatever yeah I mean it's, <laughs> it's too bad because like you know if we had done if i had known that it sounded really good in music box like when we had done the rev stuff we probably could have just turned around and gone like hey you know what it's it's just sounds better there let's let's do that instead we've got this uh you know the the rev comp release and it's got wise up and it just sounds ripping and amazing and then mm -hmm. uh you know speak out 
ends up being like a totally different sounding record for that time. So again, you know, it, it all fits into the history of it, but it's, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, that was done after because it actually sounds a lot more raw and aggressive, like something we would have done before Speak Out. Yeah, I didn't know it was, I actually always thought it was done before. Yeah. Until I was today years old when I, I thought the yeah. comp songs came first. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, uh, you know, then Speak Out. Yeah. So I guess yeah. this would be a good time, Jordan, to ask. We were talking about the split CD, yeah. Break Down the Walls, Speak Out. And Porcel was telling us that they were like, there was an issue with the mastering. Uh, when did that came when did that come out yeah when like when did that was that the first cd that you yeah that was the first cd and the reason we did that is because hardcore albums were so short and cds were so expensive that the idea was why don't we give people more instead of just you know right filling only a third of it but ray, ray wasn't that happy about the idea but it just seemed like a good thing to do at the time and uh and the, the problem was the master that we used was the one that Youth of Today licensed to, to a label in Europe. And there was a flange on the tape when it was getting transferred to digital. So it-, it I was just it, saying this, yeah. Yeah, so it, tape, it, it, it has this weird slowdown, maybe for a whole section. I don't know what happened. There was a problem with the machine when it was transferred to digital and it, it's, it, the but it's all it's it's like i think it's from honesty to the end of the record and youth today is on on the cd second so all the bold songs and then all these today stuff up to honesty and then honesty you can hear it mid-song it slows down and then it's slow for the rest of the record i think that cd is really cool it's like a cool artifact it's a cool right. piece it looks cool it's everything all together yeah. and if you're trying to get into the label or you're a kid who's like well i only have 10 bucks and there's two bands on this so like now i have both bands with that so i i have always appreciated that cd yeah he personally. always talks about how that was his first <laughs> intro and i actually i had never i only had them separate on cd and now on vinyl and uh i did find one on on ebay for cheap right. i, I want to hear that that uh flanger just because like why not it sounds like all that shit has obvious. flange on it so much of that stuff i don't know what if there was some some more than one fuck up in the case of that but one thing that was interesting was that talking about how there was a number of different mixes for the break down the walls record and do we we only had one mix ever of the yeah. speak out record right i've never seen the i've never seen the multi-track reels for for speak out and Shit. Today, Purcell, I think, held on to the multi-track for um, right. for for Break Down the Walls. That's why he was able to remix it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But now we have the Wishing. So the Wishing Well Four is Youth of Today. So that's the, the tape that says WW4 is the Youth of Today reel. Right. Um, but then I also have the reel. Like eventually, Pat Dubar gave me the the reel that he had of break down the wall. So we've got two break down the walls reels. Okay. But um, I, I wanted to take pictures of the speak out reel to send them to you guys before this in case you want, in case it jogged any memories, but getting back to that CD, I, I also think it's kind of cool that, you know, where it, only hardcore where you can just take two bands and put them on one record. And it's like, Oh, people like both of these. 
Yeah. You know, like void and, and void faith, faith. And there's a lot of split mm -hmm. things, but these are just two separate albums just on one CD. Like people like both these bands. Yeah. You, you can buy them. What do you think, um, Jordan, as far as the, the tapes go? So we never did a, a, any different mixes and those tapes are, are just lost, right? For all intents. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I mean, they yeah. might, they might, they might actually be in somebody's parents' basement, you right. know, maybe. Well, we don't know, right? Like, yeah, I don't know, but I think, I think everyone has looked for them and, and they've never surfaced, but in a way that's a good thing because we still have the, we have, we have the full, you know, we have the stereo mix of the album and even though there's probably things you could do to modernize the mix, um, maybe that's not necessary, you know. I don't know. It depends. I don't know that, yeah, I mean, I feel like so many uh, bands out there or people in doing projects from movies to film and uh, music and everything else want to alter stuff. And I, I agree. Sometimes it's just, you know, leave it to history. You yeah. know? Well, I mean, I think modern bands do the, they keep the stems for, if they, if it gets in a movie, they can pull the vocals off. And right, yeah. Do, do tricks like that. But, you know, I don't think any movies are going to be using Speak Out as the, as the background, I don't know. They should. You never know. <laughs> Famous last words, Jordan. Famous so, last words. In, 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 in the press release for the 7-inch, it says that Speak Out had sold 17,000 copies by then, and there had been 20,000 copies pressed between the um, gatefold, LP, uh, CD, and cassette. So at the time... That's a lot. That's a lot of records, right? And was that your biggest seller or did Break Down the Walls sell more? Um, I think both, Break Down the Walls was already out. So it probably, I mean, it, the, all those three albums sold really well. Yeah. So I don't know which was, which sold more, but they were all, they all did well. But both, that was, that was an initial release. So that, that may have sold a bit more, but you said today was a bigger band. So, and you know, Wishing Well probably didn't do it on CD, so they, mm -mm. but then, and then again, that was a split CD that the CD didn't sell as well as the vinyl and the cassette mm -hmm. did. So that's still a lot of numbers for, for yeah, back agree. then. That's awesome. Yeah. The, thing that was, the thing that was difficult was that um, we weren't able to play that many, as many shows as we would have liked to play. Uh, take like a band like Youth of Today, they're out playing us, you know, uh, probably like, you know, 10 shows to one because that's what they're doing. I mean, we were still in school. So it was mm -hmm. frustrating on a level to know like, okay, you know, we want to take these, this record or this, the seven inch and speak out whatever and get out there and do shows. And it was always sort of like trying to get to like the next level of fan base was difficult because we were kind of, you know, encumbered by our age and by not being able to do as much touring and playing. And we still did a lot for our, for our yeah. age. I mean, but it was still, it was hard to get numbers up in the realm of like a, a youth of today or something like that because we just couldn't play as often. And this record too, it's gatefold. And there was no gatefold on Rev before this that I, you know, I don't remember the way it is not on gatefold, right? So whose idea was it to have a gatefold and how like wild was that experience for you guys in the band to see this, you know, this is a fucking big record when it comes out, everything is like, pardon the expression, but it's bold. 
laid out I was there. In such, I was in such massive shape that they needed a gatefold to contain those muscles. I was like, muscles. you can't put this on one record. No way. <laughs> the muscles we talked about from Break Down the Walls. And this kind of shows, though, how young you guys are because I have kids. Hav has kids. We know right. how, how quickly they grow. Right. You look at the cover of this compared to Break Down the Walls is already right. like, He's becoming a man. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I know. It's like one year difference. It's hilarious. Yeah, but Jordan, I think, I think that was, that. you know, that was probably your idea, right, Jordan, for the gatefold, I would imagine. I don't know. But I wanted to ask you about the layout. Um, and maybe, Javier, that's why you were trying to get Beth on, on, because I think she came up with the idea for those different colors on the front. Is that right? Yeah, designed by Dave Bet and Beth Lahickey. Um, I, so mean, I don't know who came up with that that color scheme and I would love to ask yeah. one of them like I remember this, being was this inspired that. by something of, of the 80s of the time like where did that idea come from maybe I remember being at, at Zulu's uh with Matt and Zulu downstairs in Zulu's basement me and Matt were doing a rehearsal working on some stuff and I remember trying to put the we actually were trying to place the record and how we wanted the pictures on it and we knew we were mm -hmm. going to do gatefold so we sat down there and I Tim Zulu had like a pool table in that basement, yeah. right? Yeah, we were sat on the. I remember we laid it out on the pool table, like the pictures, like where we were going with it. I don't know about the colors, per se, but I remember thinking like we were psyched on having some tints uh, on the photo to kind oh, of so make your it idea. We I'll, I'll, some of that stuff was I'm not sure exactly which one of us exactly, but I remember sitting there with with Matt and Zulu was there, and we were trying to organize the record and figure out like the layout for it and. Put them across the top. We had the idea for the front photos. We were probably just like pretty good actually at doing just basic graphic design with like the logo for the bold stuff, mm -hmm. the bars, and doing the layout for like that first stuff it was pretty much all our own, you know. Yeah, it sounds like it's in your families. You know, you've spoken about yeah. your moms being artists, and it's just like you had to do it yourself too because it's not like you could look on the internet or go on Facebook and be like, Hey, can someone help me with this layout? Like you guys had to do it yourself. So did, did Dave bet design this logo, the bold logo, or you guys designed it? Tim, do you know what? what? I, I don't know. He may have picked that font. Do you know, Jordan, do you remember? I don't remember. I thought you guys had that on shirts originally and he just yeah. redrew it. I mean, that, that isn't that is not actually the logo that you guys had on. Remember those bold shirts with the really tall letters? Yeah. Who did those? Just said. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that was like in the middle too, like the middle period. There was like a transit transitory period. Like yeah, he, he probably he probably just what he did with all of our stuff was I think he took what we brought and then he cleaned it up. Just refined. and and he you know he he laid everything out and. And he was kind of like the guide for you, you know, helping you make the right decision. You, you have this idea and he was right. kind of helping you realize it. And, it, but the, the bold logo was probably something like he's, you brought a flyer and he's like, Oh, that's all rub on letters and it's crooked. So here we'll do it with <laughs> type and, and right. clean. And that's how that, yeah. Out. but yeah, he, he, and he did everything by hand, but he did it really awesome perfect yeah yeah uh i posted it on the the bold facebook but uh jordan let me scan or take some photos of the layout notes so i can get those to you too but they're all different notes with i, I assume oh, Beth or your or dave's um ideas about changes or colors and placement of things 
Um, yeah. But I can send those over to you. Man, that would be awesome. We so were talking about the reason there was a gatefold was just, you know, this was our, uh, you know, this is Bold's album and Bold was uh -huh. like a, a big band. So everyone, we there was like an excitement about certain bands like Gorilla Biscuits and Bold. These are like new bands that somehow stayed together and, and did multiple records. So this was like, all right, they have a seven inch. This is their album and it's got to be, you know, let's do a gatefold. There was just that, right. that it was just, I think, um, the excitement about the, the fact that the, the, this is sort of our first band's album. And uh, yeah, there's, I think it was just that. Just yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff too. Like Red had posters. The posters were always really cool. Oh man, the poster yeah. for this album—the <laughs> the big one with the yeah. uh, the orange letters. Right. We right. talked about that. Should reprint that. Chat. Holy yeah. shit! All the, the posters are great though. That so they, good. Red did. I mean, even into the end to another days, Red was doing posters, and those were really cool as well. I do think that the layout for the Speak Out record and the like fact that it's pretty eye-catching when you look at it had a lot to do mm -hmm. with the fact that it it definitely helped uh yeah. you know when it's on the shelf it looked like it looks like a record you're like huh what is this and i think oh that, yeah that Absolutely. that was part of like it's probably like it you know people getting psyched on it on some level there's three okay. things on this layout that always catch my eye every since day one number one that Drew's drumsticks are upside down in this photo. Like he just has to hit the drums so fucking hard that he can't even use the tips. The Dave Grohl will break off. Then, Tim, your fucking sneakers with the pegged jeans and the yeah. and the pegged jeans right here. I love that. I still love that. It's like such a cool '80s fashion. And then all of the fucking finger pointing. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and everyone kind of looks so serious in these photos. Like you're not, I, when I got this, I didn't know what the fuck crippled youth was. So I didn't know that you were kids doing this band, but I see this and I'm like, these guys mean business. You gotta accept the blame there, man. Pointing. You gotta <laughs> accept the blame. Yeah, geez. There's and another so, thing on that front cover there. The one of me jumping, my yes. shirt tucked in. And if you talk to Purcell, we tried, we were like, Let's see if this sticks. And for like a month, all our t-shirts we tucked into our pants, but it didn't last. <laughs> Somehow it's captured in that photo. I love so, it though. The, the oh, colors and Tim. The, the, you know, the colors and everything. This is an iconic design. And yeah. you know, we were talking actually before we started, before you guys joined in about bold. And, and, and I don't mean this even with a negative connotation, but to me, they were almost, Bold was almost one of the first like t-shirt bands. <laughs> like I look at like America's hardcore, like you'd always right. see those shirts and pictures and maybe uniform choice right. and then Bold. Like right. when I was getting into hardcore, every live picture, either of the band or the audience, someone's wearing a shirt with that logo yeah. and it yeah. made you want to check it like i gotta listen right. to bold right yeah. all my mm -hmm. favorite bands are wearing bold shirts and yeah we talked about the chain of strength the chain of, chain strength. of strength yeah right. i was they're, looking at them i listened to them last photos. night photos yeah and they have their yeah that they're not like their photos are always mm -hmm. a bold shirt and they're somewhere yeah. start paying those guys royalties yeah we used to <laughs> look around that uh that our merch was bigger than the band yeah so more yeah. And, and one thing that we never had, we never had like a little mascot. We didn't have like the little gorilla or yeah. also we were always sort of not pigeonholed, but stuck to sort of the straight up traditional designs. And anytime we tried to do like 
any variation on that, there was always a pushback or sort of like everybody just wanted the super traditional, maybe in different colorways. But mm -hmm. it, it is what it is, very simple, but sort of. Like I think part of that was probably owing to the fact that the band written that its heyday was really not around that long. Obviously we talked about that with the, the Today stuff. There's a window of time that's like uh, really like three years here. So if you don't have, you know, you can't transition something. Like if we wanted to go from like this logo to this logo, eventually like you maybe you'll take that out for a tour, you know, you start using your t-shirts. But the whole time basically once we shifted from crippled youth to bold, this was the one thing we had. So that's become like the kind of you know, yeah, and when, when bands change their logo, sometimes yeah. it's like, like look at like Metallica, right? right. They changed their logo for a while, mm -hmm. and then even they went back. Or right. like Oasis. Yeah. Remember when Oasis yeah. changed their logo? Yeah. I was so bummed. Yeah. And then even they brought that back right. because there's something about that simple, original right. design. Mm -hmm. that, if you hit it right, yeah, you're lucky to hit it once. I think that people can, you know, if something sticks, and you're like, oh, that's a great design. You know, that's... Uh, uh, let's you know that clicks with, with people and and they want to get that iconic kind of design you're lucky to have that I think and, and certainly like you know whatever uh, how regardless of how many things we have like you know um, that one thing stuck you know we don't have any mascots yeah. or anything like that but we're lucky that that one design does really well the one thing that I find that it drives me nuts uh, these days is just like the proliferation of, of all these bands that have worked you know, have this lifetime of work, this body of work, and then these companies that come up and just take that graphic and just use it for their own stuff because it's market familiarity. It's hard for me. I mean, I think that, you know, people are like, well, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, we're just using it because, you know, it's a cool logo and we're going to use our own thing for its coffee or whatever they're going to fucking use it for. But, you know, there's a lot of work and time that goes into creating these logos. By right. Mike and, you know, all the people that, you know, are contemporaries of mine that I think that like, you know, worked and have this body of work behind them to make this thing. And then some, somebody comes up and just like, yeah, we're going to steal this now. Or not even steal it, just use it. I feel like it's, um, it's a little, it's, it's cheap. It's hard to watch that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the, the bold logo, because you don't have the mascot though, in a way it almost like it makes the logo sort of universal. Like we know it's hardcore, but like, I think it was Jason was talking to me about, you can wear a bold shirt and some people don't have any idea it's a band. They just think mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, that looks like a really cool shirt. It's oh, a yeah. clothing company or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's happened to me. I've just been wearing the shirt and then walking around and someone will be like, that shirt's cool. I'll be like, yeah, I love Bold. And they're <laughs> like, you know, they're not familiar with the band, but no, it's, it's true. a real eye-catching and like very yeah. iconic. It's a declaration. People are graphic designers. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know, we should have just got it right, like the uh, Bold Graphic Designing Company. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, a lot of bands have tried to rip, you know, tried to rip that style off and they just never seem to capture that thing that Bold has. Yeah. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? On like, just like, I you know. I think it's not just us though. I think it's, it's, a, it's the look of, of that whole oh, yeah. like genre of, of hardcore stuff, you know? I don't think it has. Yeah. Also in particular, I think that people, it's significant. I think there's a lot of logos and graphics out there that are more uh, signify more like that kind of a youth crew aspect of hardcore mm -hmm. from a certain time period you know okay. i got a question for you uh either tim or drew do you remember like it, it felt like the layout got got done from scratch 
Um, but what was the plan with wishing well? Was it just like, oh, Pat's going to do a layout and whatever it is, we're going to like it? Like, what, what did you send them? And, and did you ever see any artwork from, from their, their side? Or was, was this basically done for wishing well and then we just re, redid it on Rev? That's a really good question. I wish that Matt could answer that uh, because I don't know. I, it's a huge uh, hole in my recollection of that whole situation. I mean, I, I feel like there was, a, we didn't have a plan with them outside of them releasing the record. I feel like that was all for rep. Like I, I felt like making that, that um, record cover and inside gatefold layout was all predicated upon what you guys were doing and not yeah, for which I wish we could see what what, what wishing well would have done yeah. you know? I don't I don't know let's get uh get longry on the on this uh zoom <laughs> he's around you know we could I know him. but right he, I bet he was just like I was too busy with with um uniform choice to get to that and I bet nothing was right. ever done and that's one of the reasons that it never happened um I agree. That's what I said before you got on. I said, I think they were just kind of overwhelmed with how that I think they had a lot of releases that they were paying attention to from like blast was another one that was on that, that was doing well. They had all like the merchandising that was taking up their time. I think they just had more than they could really use do effectively. At that and it moment. seemed like a lot of the bands um, le left wishing well and repressed, like, you know, right. we talked about youth today last week, Blast, right. Power of Expression, SST, you know, when they signed SST. They right, so right. It probably is just a matter of they were so busy with Uniform Choice yeah. and just doing their own thing that it yeah. was much to, to handle. I just think people were excited because, like, the optics of that label was so good. You have great bands, you have great merchandise, stuff looks tight. So I think that you just wanted to kind of be part of that if you were a band. Like, this is a cool, you know, this is a great indie label. It looks like yeah. it anyways until you start getting into, like, you know, the semantics of what they're able to really deliver. Yeah. Jordan, was there bad blood with Wishing Well? Was, were they upset that you had taken the release and put it out or was it just, they well, were busy, they didn't have time to do it and just. I don't, I think Ray was the ultimate diplomat. You know, he, he, he probably talked to them and for all I know, he made it like, you guys don't want to do this record. Okay. You know, I don't know. Well, um, Ray was the guy that arranged it all. And actually I just texted him to ask if he remembers if, there was stuff right. that went to them and went back to us or, or uh -huh. it just never went to them. I don't remember. Um, and then the other question was maybe one of you guys could text Matt and ask him if he remembers anything about that. I don't know if he's. I, I did. I actually sent him a text about, and I just didn't hear from him. So I don't know. He's busy okay. or whatever, but yeah, it's the kind of thing, you know, we'll have to do maybe, you know, just in discussing like, uh, the seven inch we can revisit maybe the, the some of the questions on this one if we get matt for the seven inch we'll, we'll do the wishing well one after this with Pat right Pat. yeah exactly yeah, that'll be a bit of bonus yeah I right gonna, like, exactly I, I was gonna say too that i do recall hearing a story of when instead uh i think ray wanted to do a, a record with instead and wishing well told them if you do it with revelation you'll never be on wishing well Hmm. something like that so maybe they were after this maybe they were a little but like i said i'd love to talk to pat longry i know he has a a new band with with johnny right. elson he's playing yeah. we played with them Thomas. actually in uh yeah last european tour we did uh we did a couple of shows then they have a new record 
Bit of bow to the winds of promise. Yeah, winds of promise. That's it. But um, yeah, we'll have to figure yeah, that. We'll have to get to the bottom of some of those little things, you know, the mysteries. Yeah, yeah, because people want to know. I'm, I guarantee questions when this airs, questions are going to come up from this. Right. That people will have and. Well, it's good. Uh-huh. It's good to have a little uh, intrigue, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we've always said from day one that we don't have all the answers for all right. of this stuff. We're just fans. Right. We're exploring it. We're lucky to get yeah. to talk to the two of you and then to have Jordan come right. in here. So we are archeologists and archeologists right. don't go into a dig knowing everything. They're trying to find yeah. the fucking bones. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've already like just going, you know, into some of this uncovered some interesting things about like the chronology of some of this stuff, you know? And like, I, I, I totally, like I said, forgot that, you know, the timeline of some of this, like when we had done like, like the, the rev comp stuff compared to, you know, speak out and all that. So, yeah, I learned something new every week when we do this. Yeah. yeah. So, so Drew, do you remember what lyrics you wrote for speak out in the liner well, notes? It says lyrics by Matt and Drew. So, yeah, I mean, I think that Matt probably did on that, on this one, on speak out, it's the bigger ones like talk is cheap, wise up were his. I know my title was nailed to the X. I know that was mine because I remember coming into like John, John Jay in, in, in high school and being like, I had this crazy dream where it was like the straight edge song. It was like on stage. I guess why I was thinking about this stuff so much. And it was just like the ultimate straight edge song, you know, it's called nailed to the X. And so we just wrote, wrote a song and we did the song, you know, based on that exact title from like having this weird dream nailed to the That's end. one of the ones Capo said he loved, by the way. When oh, that's cool. About the way it is. He said uh, right. he always liked that song. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I re-listened to, uh, like I said, Speak Out last night for the first time in a while. And there was, uh, I liked a lot of the deeper cuts, like um, uh, Accept the Blame or, or Now or Never. Or, you know, mm-hmm. so Matt, was, Matt was talking to me on the last tour and he's like, we should play Accept the Blame. And I was like, it wasn't totally dismissive, but I was like, you know, with all the other stuff seems like strong material. And then listening to last night, I was like, yeah, I actually kind of like that song. Matt plays the lead in that song. Uh, just for, yeah, as far as the nostalgia of it, there's a oh, little, that's awesome. to blame. yeah. That's yeah that, I saying, and, and to me, that song was one of the ones I was going to point to that like, yeah. you think today wasn't doing stuff like that on. Right, on that. right, right. You know, like, yeah. That's different. Yeah. It's a lot different. I mean, we had stuff on there that was kind of like definitely a departure from that. Like, uh, you know, like even like in Change Within, again, like that, like, you know, the ending of that with that little kind of lead single note thing going on at the end. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I did probably, I know me and Matt worked on The Search together in the studio, uh, as well as Still Strong. Now or Never, I think, was was probably some of my stuff. Um, that was my title. I don't know. I, I'm... I'm fuzzy with some of it, but I know Matt definitely did. Talk is Cheap, because I had written these ridiculous lyrics. Well, originally to Talk is Cheap, it was called Treason. And it was like this, another like super straight edge song. And it was mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, you, you violated straight edge type of thing. You know, you can no longer be part of us. Go away, be gone, exiled. So, and Matt was like, you know what? That's a ridiculous title. I was called as Talk is Cheap. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank God, thank God Matt came to the save of that. And uh, yeah, Wise Up just stood on its own. Like he had, he, he ha- I didn't have any part of that. I remember he just had the, had the lyrics and music. I, you know, I had like the, the, uh, that, the big, da, 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 uh, mm-hmm. but we kind of worked on that a lot just together, like um, arranging and doing stuff, always try. I just wanted to have this big, like Dick Dale, like, fill 
uh, Tom thing for, for a verse. That was the great thing about Bold was I could be more experimental than uh, a band. Obviously, Youth Today wasn't my band, but I felt like Bold, we had the opportunity to be more experimental with yeah. songs. Mm-hmm. Surely that you could see the course of that. Who knows? Um, eventually, like, uh, where would it gone? But I, I felt like, I don't, I felt like part of the reason about not to jump to seven inch stuff, but leaving, I never really felt like I, I left bold. I felt like I wanted to leave hardcore because it was too restrictive in terms of where I could go. Like mm-hmm. after that old seven inch, um, that was about as far I felt that we could take stuff without, because people already seemed upset by that. Right. Know? Without, as far as you can take it and still be hardcore right. by label. Exactly. Um, for sure. And then, yeah. you know, we all know where, where it went next and, yeah. we're all happy with it so That's like cool. you know what i mean like i'm uh yeah. I'm it, was, pretty... it was fun it was fun to write a lot of that stuff uh with matt because i felt like we were just like you know um it, w- it was a good time where we weren't overthinking stuff we just kind of like we just kind of power through stuff get stuff written fairly you know fairly fast and go back and just kind of hone stuff as much as possible and you know i there were some things with, that i really liked i loved like the the build up into that release at the end of wise up i thought that was really mm-hmm. cool just kind of like real being really into like hip-hop stuff at the time we wanted more just like a kind of hip-hop mosh part at the end of that song um so that was kind of like a lot of, there were things like that we were just able to add because we didn't think of it in terms of a formula right at that point so much well that breakdown jason you're gonna tell him <laughs> we're gonna what? put jason on the spot the wise up oh yeah yeah i was i'm <laughs> I did a band called Count Me Out, and we took our name from nice. from that song. Nice. Yeah, I, ha- yeah we I, have- I had to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I had to. Because I'm looking yeah. at the lyrics, and it's like bolded. It's you know right there, bolded. bolded. But um, one of the yeah, I know. One of the other things too, I always found interesting about this record when I first got it was that the intro mm-hmm. is in the middle. I mean, yeah. I had the CD. I thought that like, was so weird. Sense on vinyl because it's the beginning of the second side. But I remember being like intro in the middle of the CD. That's really weird. Yeah. What is Tim? Why do we do that? <laughs> why do we put it on side like B? I guess it's just because it, it was just a side. I I don't know that it was the intro just because what else we have to call it. You know, it was the intro to change within. He's calling from the ER right here. <laughs> Another special guest. Oh my God. What's up? What's up, you guys? <laughs> what are you doing? What's up, dude? There you go. Oh, it's Drew's too. Yeah. Drew, all right. Yeah. I'll look at Tim. How's it going, guys? Did I miss all the right. interview? Good to see you, man. Yeah. Did I miss we, the interview? Yeah, a little bit, but we're we're still covering mystery parts. Like, uh, what ha- Like, where? How did you guys get? I thought you were, uh, were going to talk about the big skateboard competition that I won. Oh my! <laughs> right. The Matt had a copy of uh, of uh, Victim in Pain that was stolen, and Ray managed. Scare this kid somehow and giving it to us. We found it. He turned I, by the way, Drew and, and you guys from Revelation, that was the best. I I I appreciated that interview you did with Purcell the other day so much. I enjoyed it so much. I listened to it beginning to the end. Excellent. Oh, awesome. I was just like, Thank you. I was so, I was so I was so inspired. That's great. Those were so oh, that cool. was so much fun, man. I was like, I was it was so heartfelt. I was like those performances and 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 that amount of, of uh, just, and, and the intensity of that time was so, it, you can't compare it to anything. It was amazing and it was mm-hmm. so natural, man. We were, it was and great. Now, I don't know how long I'm gonna be able to be in this interview because you're about to, okay, so once, once there, this IV ends, but I will say that I remember oh, the first day I saw you guys as Crippled Youth 
um, that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> and that first day the bond was created and then we kidnapped them. <laughs> it's true. They became our best friends. Yeah. I'll tell you, they were so young. I mean, we were pretty young, but they were so young. It was like, it's shocking. It's sort of shocking. And they were really influential right from the get-go. Right from the get-go. Yeah, it was, it was a quite a thing. Ray, how did you, we, how, what we, happened with Wishing we had Well? To re, we had to rebrand you. We, <laughs> yeah, had to re-brand. we talked about that. It was how everything that was already written that was going to be on the Crippled Youth EP was rewritten to, uh, <laughs> you know, Desperate for Beer became Walk Tall, Walk Straight. Like everything, everything. Yeah. You know what? We, we became the older brothers yeah. that we always wanted. Cause we were like, you know, we were stranded in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut. We're like, we didn't know what, we just buy like 20 records out of 20 records, like two would be good. So we had that opportunity to say, Hey, listen, th- this stinks. You'll love this. This stinks. You'll love this. So we were those older brothers for these guys. When, uh, but- when, when John Purcelli and, and Ray left for college, we each got one of their record collections. So Ray left oh, me wow. one of records. So I, you know, I'm, I'm literally falling to this like incredible co- collection of records you'd never imagine in your life that you'd be falling into. It's like this kid who likes hardcore and I've got like, you know, 30 records, 40 records. And all of a sudden, here's just like, you know, seven inch after seven inch of like the most amazing stuff. It's like, here, enjoy these. Well, I'm going to trust you with like, you know, the first SOA on green vinyl, seven, you know, <laughs> every discord. And you're going to, I can't believe you left me with that stuff, but we each got that. So I was, I was highly influential in terms of like hearing every, everything that was relevant in hardcore punk rock. You know. We didn't realize the value <laughs> that we were lending you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nor did I. Nor did I. You're lucky you got that back, my friend. I should have just gave you the cassettes. Yeah. Uh, I'll dub them for you. Ray, the question that we were trying to answer before is how, how did you get speak out back to Revelation from Wishing Well? Do you remember how you, how you got that back into the Red Cat? It was on, I didn't even know it was on Wishing Well. Well, it was supposed to be. That's why I was oh. sitting there for a while. Yeah. They had what was the schism with that, man? There was I like, think, you know, I think they were just sort of all like, you, wait, <laughs> wishing one was going to put them out? Yeah. I think that was the crumbling. That was the crumbling of wishing well. Right. I think they sort yeah. of lost the determination to do it. Yeah. Um, and mm. I was kicking myself for not putting your record out in Revelation, the first one, the Crippled Youth Bold one. Um, that was my biggest lamentation. But it was cool. That was a great record too. Um, the Wishing Well stories were fantastic yeah. from Purcell and Drew the yes. other day. Brian Baker. Oh, yeah. I, the story about Brian Baker was, was incredible for me. Being a, I never he, heard that one. That was great because I was in New York with Dwayne from Some Records when that record came into the store in a package, the box of them, and we were all losing our mind. <laughs> so, yeah, it was and, a great uh, place. <laughs> Sorry. it's we're funny that er issues here ray is saying that you know he was the old man at yeah. 19 for all of this yeah so I mean, when speak out comes out are, yeah. are any of you even 18 yet no 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 tim no. tim is was the was like the oldest probably it's he was what you were 16 when we recorded speak out yeah right i was 15 so i had done like crippled youth and then youth of today and then the speak out record like 13 14 15 
And uh, at that point, those guys, Youth of Today was already starting to, they were going like to Europe and doing all these other shows. So for us, it was like, we had already sort of moved into a situation we were, we were not just having this like, as much of like the brother band situation. It, we were doing a lot of shows with, uh, like we played with Warzone a lot at the time. Uh, we were doing like, when we went out to California, they were just more like, they were shows remember that we picked up you, Remember when you guys got into that schism with Murphy's Law? <laughs> but it was like, it was like, you guys were just like 13 year old and you were like, uh, had attitudes and you yeah, had attitudes. Well, you got to learn real quick about that attitude. <laughs> How long is this interview going for? Uh, we're probably sadly, sorry to barge in, but I have to cut No, out. we're glad, we're glad yes. that you could stop Thank by. You. Thank you for doing it. I didn't feel like I added anything, but I will you say these guys are the best band ever. Yeah, okay, love you guys. Great. I'm looking too, forward right? to connecting. Thanks, again. Ragu. Yeah. Thank you. Good luck Thank with you. over there, man. Bye, Ray. Okay, thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, you mentioned school. I guess before we wrap up, yeah. I asked the same thing to Sammy. When the record finally came out, were you guys, what, juniors or seniors? No, you were seniors, I think, right, when, that, when Speak Out came out. Because I asked because I remembered reading right. in an interview, you're like, uh, you know, on the last day of 11th grade, we decided to sign to Revelation. I'm like, that sounds so fucking cool. Like, I wish right. I was making that decision when so I was, was in 11th grade. Of, Tim, when do you think it was then? The beginning of senior year, like fall of our yeah. senior year when it came out? Because right. I remember actually seeing that in Tower Records is how I saw it. It was crazy. Tower Records in Upper West Side. I walk in as with my girlfriend at the time and needless to say, like, I felt so cool. I'm like, and here's my record in <laughs> like Tower. I was like, look at that. Uh, but it was weird because Tower was like the first, like Rev was like a bit, it was a big crossover thing. Like having like, I never expected that. I would expect like at a punk rock store or like some records. Right. You know, you see like, here's your seven inch. I'm going, we're going from like the Cripple U seven inch, but all of a sudden it's like Jordan got these, this release into Tower. And I was like, wow, I felt pretty, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, especially oh, being cool. like a kid in high school. I was yeah. going to say, well, I'd ask Sammy, uh, did you bring it to school? Because I mm. feel like I would have brought a copy yeah. to school yeah, and yeah, like yeah, showed yeah. it off and right. been like, That's a good lady, question. I wonder, <laughs> hey, Jordan, how did you guys get to distribution in, at that time into like, to, into Tower and all that? Because you guys basically just started. How did that work out? We, did, we didn't, we sold probably to less than a dozen stores ourselves because okay. we didn't, you know, we didn't have that kind of reach. I didn't, we didn't even have a UPS account until probably 89 or okay. so. But anyway, um, yeah, important pressed and distributed that record. Okay. So the first three albums we did, we didn't actually, you know, that's Dave Bett worked for important. Okay. And uh, they, they pressed and distributed those records, so we didn't we didn't pay for the we didn't pay for the manufacturing. They just handled everything. Gotcha. Okay, so it just happened to be like they'll get they'll take a handful of these and put them into those stores. Like there might have been two copies going into that store. No, they they were the be they were the best distributor at the time. I think them and Carol. I mean, how many would they have taken of like a bold record and they put didn't it? Didn't take out? anything. They pressed it and sold it. They they sold that all twenty thousand. They sold them. They they gave us you know whatever we wanted. We would take for mail okay. order and, and doing our direct stuff. But they gotcha. sold ninety percent of it, and they have the best. I think to this day they have the best. You know where they have really good salespeople. I mean, there's smaller gotcha. distributors that are 
that are probably just as good as them, but they, right. at the time they were, they had the best salespeople. They were like, so into the stuff they were selling and they, they were friends with all the stores. They were just great cool. to work with. It's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know and, that. And that's where Howie Abrams worked and that's how in effect started. All right. And that's what the sick of it all album was done through them. So all that, all that stuff was happening at the same time. And, and, uh, blackout records was distributed through there. So they were kind of like, um, you know, they were, they were important. Caroline and important were, uh, the way that, that, and Venus also, all three of those distributors got all, most of the punk records on the East coast into bigger stores like tower. Um, right. If that answers yeah. your question. No, it does. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I remember it's one of those things that I generally don't think about too much, but when I think of the time, it was like a big deal to see yeah, that. They were, the, they were huge. Yeah. And we didn't, I think we didn't, they, they stopped, they were bought by Sony at some point in the mm -hmm. late eighties. And then we stopped dealing with them for a while and our sales were, were still strong, but that we never got back to like that, that right. level that they were at. So those first three records, I think probably sold a lot more than everything up until then. I mean, yeah. Gorilla Biscuits is its own thing, but right. um, you know, up until Texas is the reason we didn't have that kind of, uh, sales as those first three albums yeah i used to go into the tower and i would take like in high school and i would i would take the break down the walls and the speak out record and i put them in the front of the stacks of everything else so you, yeah i did it uptown and downtown. there's a name for that job i think that's called uh <laughs> okay. there's a name my friend used to do yeah, that at <laughs> merchandising i think they call they, yes, they, they, there you the go actors send people out there to, to arrange the, the show exactly. for their product yeah it was the prototype for sure <laughs> so one of the things we do because we'll, we'll we'll start wrapping up is we yeah. ask everybody as you remember drew uh yeah. their hot track from the speak out record i'll ask you tim first what's your what's your hot track either one you just like to listen to the most or one you enjoy playing the most I think now it's changed, but I, I definitely like withdrew too because that's evolved. Is playing change within live, and that was always sort of one that was fun to like lead in playing bass and that. So I, that that one stuck with me over the years. But that also we've kind of played around with it live a little bit in the ending of it. But that one for me is is uh, my awesome. track. Right. And how about you, Drew? Tim, just uh, that was awesome. I I agree. I'm right there with him. I I think that uh, change within just in, in its like kind of tone, and it's it's just different. It doesn't have like a typical breakdown. I like the I like I really like the the lyrics and I like Matt's delivery of it. I think it's so. I love that ending. We just again, I'm a sucker. I told you with the honesty. Just those symbol hits accents. And we play around with that a lot. I kind of like, yeah, I, I like that song. I'll take the intro and change within as a full entity. Yeah, yeah, I'm into change within. Do you guys still play that song live yeah. when you get yeah, together? Yeah, we did it on the last tour. Mm -hmm. awesome. There are a bunch we don't play. We, we haven't played except the blame in years. Now, now or never. Now or never we don't play. We did play Still Strong right. recently um, on the last tour, but uh, everything else is sort of open for right what about, what's the song having my say was that from that session or did we just add that at some point no that music was from the music box session uh okay. we did wise up for the 
we before you got on, I was saying how I wish we had done the full record at Music Box because that session with Wise Up and having my say sounds so cool. If I had known, like, if that was reversed and we had gone there a little earlier, I probably would have just been like, yo, this sounds great at this place. Let's uh -huh. do the whole record there. Because it's even noticeable on that, that CD that, that Rev put out. There's Having My Say comes after Search, and it's like, you hear this difference right away. Mm -hmm. You can. Uh, the one in all of the people that were there with you, like, because you had Super Touch in the studio with you. Yeah. Or, or was it just the, the studio itself was, was different quality? Uh, it was a worse call. It was great. It was a hole in the wall. And uh, they had a, it was like almost like Don Fury's in that it had a little drum, like fishbowl type of thing. Really? And they had, yeah. And then they had the, the main room. It must have been something about the downtown studios at the time, but it was really cool. And we just fired off like those two songs, did it pretty quickly. And then uh, Super Touch did theirs, and we all sang backups on the two tracks for each other. Um, it also wasn't digital. They had the guitars were going through Marshall's uh, WCM 800s. The Speak Out was recorded through Zulu's Randall, like a solid state. Yeah. Um, it was fine live, but recorded didn't really have that much power balls. Right. Uh, we did, there were some alternate tracks. The one and only track that I wrote musically came out on, on the discography, Strength Through Hope. Um, right. Great song. That recording, if you hear it, it sounds different than the rest of it. That's an actual cassette board tape. Like, you know how you'd get like a, a tape at the end of your day, daily session. So right. vocal sounds really distant and kind of rough in that. But somewhere, Matt may have them. I used to, I don't know what happened to them, but we would get the mixes without vocals and all the other stuff. Cause we did mm -hmm. it over two, two different weekends there. Um, that. They, there, there are mixes that exist in just the straight board tape prior to the, the final mix. Um, but I don't they're out there. I'm yeah. glad you brought up Strength Through Hope because I, I love that song. And I was wondering why, why that one didn't make the album. If, if you listen to the end of it, it's sort of like there's this uh, like part where it sort of lingers a little bit. It's, we did it directly into Always Try. So you can hear where Always Try picks up at the ring, where that, that was supposed to go through. It didn't flow, and it was also sort of like the, the part was more like a Youth of Today sort of ripoff part going into the mosh part, too. It wasn't sort of, you know, a lot of... Matt had written the music to, to all of the stuff, and it was kind of cohesive, and that one sort of wasn't at that, and ultimately got cut. From it. Okay. Mm. So it was Having My Say my, written... Never after this record too then right what's that having my say was written after this record yeah we didn't do it for the sessions it was it was after and right. we didn't like it we were trying to have a new track for uh for the comp uh but it just was more of a b-side and we liked the way that wise up had come out in the record uh speak out it was still not released so we're like let's give it some promo and uh, i'm glad it is because that wise up is is a great sounding track yeah it is Pretty funny, Drew and I, a few years ago, when he was out in California, uh, we went to listen to those two tracks, Having My Say and Wise Up in that session, because there was talk of maybe doing some B-side release of, of the bands that had recorded two songs. They were asked for two submissions for that. And uh, we went and listened to it. And Wise Up, we had played live. We, we recorded it before. It was really polished, at least, you know, as far as us, like, playing it through from beginning to end. Having my say, I don't know if we ever had played it live up to that point or really rehearsed it. And you could tell we were still kind of like, 
kind of stumbling through it as a band. And when we listened to the isolated tracks, uh, you could tell that we were still trying to figure out that song. It sounds fine altogether, but isolated, we we're like, how did how did this all come together? <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. Uh, but it was, it was interesting to to go back and listen to those. And then, so, um, oh, go go ahead. No, I want to. I, so wait, did Jordan give a your, your speak out track? That's what I was just going to ask. A hot track from Jordan. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, and I mean that that version of Wise Up kind of I have to say eclipses the whole album. We put that we put that on the comp first too because yeah. everyone was so excited about Bold at the time. It was kind of like. You know, certain bands are ever. Everyone is really anticipating the album, so um, yeah, I could. T and I, I have this faint memory that we really wanted two bold tracks for that compilation. Um, and if I knew that uh, having my say was was a possibility, I probably would have annoyed the hell out of you to try to get that on the, on the comp. But um, it right. sounds like, in retrospect, you're happy with just the one track. Yeah, it makes a statement by itself. For sure. so anyway, That's a great I, lead off. I can't I, imagine. I just, dodged, uh, I just dodged giving my hot track. <laughs> <laughs> How about Javier? I want to, because I want to see if yeah. we have another. Uh, last week was the first time Javier and I ever agreed on a hot track. Okay. No, we don't. We don't have a, an agreement this time. My hot track is Now or Never. Oh, wow. I okay. fucking love that song, especially the like, mm. the time is now, and there's the ring outs. And then yeah. it goes into like the, two, the kind of slower two-step part after. Yeah. And that fucking two-step part is so sick. Cool. Um, so I, I love uh, whenever that song comes on, I'm like car moshing for sure. That's amazing. I fucking love Now or Never. We'll hear like a deep cut, Get Love. Yeah. Jason. You know what it is. Except the blame. Yes. Really? Yes. Dude, except the blame. I feel like the recording works in the favor. You know, it it works for that song. Right? You know, it sounds like a different recording studio almost on that song. It's weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's got like it's kind of got this like dark breakdown in the middle. Right. It's got that like yeah. evil breakdown in the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really then you got crazy, right. And then you got Matt with the human. Humane. It just sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. I really thought the same thing. I was like, this is interesting. Here's an example, I think, of like one song, like that particular song works for that studio. I don't know why it sounds yeah. so different, but that that recording on that of Accept the Blame sounds different to me than a lot of the other songs, recording-wise. And the guitar lead also. Yeah, the guitar lead kind of like pops yeah. out too, and so it makes it yeah. sound a little bit different, and it gives it a little bit more like depth and maturity yeah. almost in the mm -hmm. rest of the album. Yeah. That's funny you mentioned depth and maturity because <laughs> my hot track is Search. Mm. Um, Search, I think, almost right. sort of hints at the like introspective lyrics of the yeah. that are going to come on the 7-inch. That's so cool. But I just think these are some awesome lyrics. That's the music's awesome. great. Like, um, and I think it's a perfect way to close the record. That's yeah, it's we wrote those lyrics in the in at Electric Reels in the in the vocal booth when we were that blows my mind because they're they're yeah. some of my favorite lyrics on the record. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, we were that was it. We were just kind of doing like had the idea for it and uh, you know like again like introspective. I think some of those songs on there like Change Within the Search. I know we're like you know I don't know how much deep thinking you got to do as a 15, 16 year old, but you know we I guess we are thinking about shit in life. So. Uh, but yeah, that's really cool because yeah, we we did that 
I remember working on that together and in, uh, in, in the studio for sure. Yeah, that would have been that that probably would have been my track if if I'm going to pick one. But I wanted to ask you, like that was that influenced by Super Touch at all? Just because of the the theme and the word search? No, not at all. I didn't, until you said that, I don't. I had nothing to do with it. Although we do know we did get confirmation from uh, Tim McMahon, bit of bow to Tim McMahon, that search the band on Revelation that uh -huh. will. We'll talk about in what have like three years yeah um they he said that was one of the you know places they got their name was from oh that's so cool the, the song sir right on yeah um, i mean that's it was uh i had nothing to do with with uh super touch i think we just kind of again like you're saying the introspective side of bold i think was starting to at least lyrically we were kind of had those more like feelings songs i guess yeah. and it was one of those things where it was like neat that it's like the last song on the record and then yeah. it, it sets the tone for what's to come yeah um, and then it's cool. even, i mean it, it, i think at that age too like you know you're you're you know you're definitely in a lot of situ i mean at, at any time in life but especially then you're you know you're sitting there going like man like what's in store for me here you know what am i looking mm -hmm. at down this fucking road and you know we're we're young and we're i guess that some of the optics of those songs are, I guess, trying to think of like, what are you headed into down the line, you know, as a, as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And I think yeah, people, I people, <laughs> people should read the, the lyrics. Yeah. Who wrote the lyrics to that, Drew? Uh, me and Matt, uh, in, uh, wow. we wrote that in the studio together. Uh, it, it, at, I remember working on it together, that particular one, uh, trying to come up with stuff for it while he would think we were, he was actually doing it. Uh, while he was recording it, we we worked we worked on that at Electric Reels. Yeah. Uh, cool. Awesome. Wow. Well, this interview turned out to be way uh, bigger than we anticipated, and awesome. we're super stoked to have everyone. Jordan, thanks for popping yes. in. Yeah. Because uh, we've been really looking forward to this one. Because, like I said, we we love the Speak Out record. Yeah, well, we talk about um, it all the time, and thanks, we've well, been it's... talking about it since we started the podcast can't wait to talk about speak out that's so. so cool i like we had some special friends here today yeah too. right absolutely wild potential yeah. friends <laughs> yeah okay. we have to have you guys i'm sorry are you going to you got to go to spring break again <laughs> <laughs> gone to cancun sounds nice right about now though I Right. Well, wow. Wow. That's all I got to say. Wow. <laughs> like, so we do these, these interviews on Zoom, which is pretty common these days. And so we're all, yeah, bit of boat of Zoom. <laughs> we're all in this like video chat, but I am the host. So I see when people want to sign on. And so we're in this interview. And we got Drew and Tim and we're talking. And then all of a sudden I see that Jordan Cooper wants to sign on. And so if you could see a video of me as we're doing this interview and like Drew's talking or something and I'm like pointing down because I know that Jordan's about to pop in in the screen and I'm like, yeah, here comes Jordan. And I know. Then, I thought he, I thought he wet himself. And then like fucking 10 minutes later, it's like Raghunath wants to join the chat. And I'm like, holy shit, what is happening right now? I, if this was like, um, uh, I watch <laughs> my, because of my kid, I watch a lot of Twitch and like gamer YouTubes. Yeah. Cause of my kid. Um, and so like 
laser beam and mr beast and dude perfect and i watch how like excited all these people get when shit happens and that's how i felt like with y'all was like oh my god like what the fuck is happening oh ah, same it was same. so and cool ex- you know of course a, a bit of bow to drew and tim awesome guys oh, yes. um you know but bit of bow to jordan for his help and and bit of bow to raganoff ray capo um mm-hmm. you know and like i said for me i'm such a fan of capo's uh podcast yeah so it's almost like i'm like yeah i listen to his podcast every day and he's he's coming on my podcast yeah like, can we get some like cross can we go on there <laughs> we can go on about, their walk on wednesday about Bhagavatam, you know yeah like i'm but it's just it's awesome but i, I gotta guess, tell you too from now speaking to drew twice and we're going to have him on again in a couple of weeks. Like, I want to hang out with that dude. I was just you know, going to yeah. say. I want to, like, go to yeah. have coffee with Drew or, like, <laughs> yeah. walk in Tompkins Square Park and, like, yeah. do the, you know, like, somebody else from New York Hardcore does a walking tour of New York City. But I, I want to get a Drew walking tour of New York City. Well said. You know what it reminds it's funny you brought that up because in talking to Drew and you know Tim was great too but Drew yeah. you know we talked to him last week and we yeah. talked to him this week it reminded me of on Seinfeld when George Costanza is super into Elaine's boyfriend remember when she's dating like that Putty? Dan Cortez oh. no Dan Cortez he was like the uh MTV sports guy oh yeah but and th- and he's like he's just so cool I just yeah. love him like that's how I feel about Drew I'm like he's so fucking cool <laughs> I yeah. didn't even mention how much I love that new rising suns record that he drums on with uh-huh. Garrett from Texas is the reason uh-huh. singing like I could have just gushed to the guy forever so the fact that he's so cool oh, is he like also- he also makes me want to cut the sleeves off of all of my shirts yes. and do a few extra push-ups because that Pulls guy's got off. some fucking guns, man. Yeah, but yeah, awesome. So let's let's talk because uh, I guess we don't want this to be too long. Yeah, we don't really have too much else to say. But yeah, like, our, I guess if you have any personal <laughs> stories about maybe the first time you heard the record, I don't remember the first time I heard this record, but I, it just kind of always been a part of my life in hardcore. I guess my career. Like I talk about having that CD. It wasn't the first compact disc I ever bought, but it was probably in the first, you know, few. The very first literal compact disc of any genre that I purchased with my own money was a Rev release. And we'll get to it. I don't want to tell you guys what it is right now, but we'll get to it. Mine but was I, REM Green. That's okay. That's okay. Makes sense for me. Um, so I, I just remember always having that split cd um i remember the bold speak out poster that we've talked about in our chat and i i kind of hyped mm-hmm. it up a little bit in the interview that fucking poster i mean it's got to be what like 30 by like how many inches yeah. do you think that best beast is it's huge and it's black and orange yeah it's there a it record aficionado book and you can google it too just look out just google um bold speak out poster and it's basically the same photos on the cover of speak out but it's laid out a bit differently it's got some more information and it's different colors and i mean i even remember at rev 30 bold was setting up and i just happened to run into todd jones in the crowd and he looks at me and he goes i fucking love bold dude 
And I was like, holy shit, me too. And he's like, I have that fucking poster (laughs) framed. And I'm like, holy shit, that's so awesome. I want to say that um, my first time seeing that poster and someone that knows me can correct me if I'm wrong was, I feel like Brandon Wallace when in his house had, Did he have uh, that? had it framed somewhere. I'm gonna, to, I'm gonna have to ask him bit about a brand. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. I love the poster. I love that it said, yeah. I mean, NYC straight edge hardcore that clicked every box for me. Mm-hmm. And, and it has like the, the speak out layout, but it has the different colors and it just says, out now on Revelation it. Records, ask, ask for, for it. it. Like, ask Killer. for it. Fuck. Yeah. What? <laughs> Love it. I have, so, it also, I it, also it also mentions the split CD right there on the poster. Yep. Oh, does it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you had this I poster. I had this poster. Huh? I don't remember it. I did have it. A cat ripped it in half, and it was scotch taped together. And I still sold it for $80. Yeah. Be the boat of that so some, Yeah. Yeah. That buyer. Be the boat of that buyer. Yeah. So Jason, what about you with Speak Out? Speak Out, I got a uh, tape. A lot of these early releases I got on tape. I didn't get records of because I didn't have the money to buy records. So I would get tapes or I would get dub tapes. And unfortunately, a dub tape of Speak Out is does not sound great. Right? So, it probably um, sounds like a... Well, like you, you can be a, honest. A, I, know that, I know that you're... Full disclosure, I'm, I'm more into the 7-inch. Yes, like I, I just I heard, yeah, um, for sure. Not me. And uh, so it, it's okay, like you know. Yeah, yeah. I heard the seven inch first. I love the seven inch. I when I knew that this episode was coming up, my first reaction was, I like talk is cheap. I like nailed to the X. I don't like that LP. But I've listened to this LP like twenty times over the past two weeks, and I gotta say, I like this LP now. But awesome. I really love, <laughs> and we talked about it, how strong the um. How, how strong the artwork is for the record yeah and the poster and um so i just i a little deep dive i did uh dave beth that jordan has brought up that laid out the um new york city hardcore the way it is comp that he also did um the bringing it down lp he did start today he also is the current creative director at columbia records and won a grammy for package design in 2012 wow. for a bruce springsteen box set get a so boat of the boss a- it's not it's no accident that this record looks fucking awesome yeah that um it's so timeless and so and it's still an influence on younger youth crew bands now that i we briefly talked about but it's hard to recreate that style and do it so naturally yeah Um, and like it it has a look it holds up with the best of them it holds up with yeah the judge lp where you just look at it and it's like you you you're you're feeling the design and or like yeah the walls wishing well um that now you know rev is even using for their pressings but for me this album i actually can remember when i first got it and i got it because because um of seeing all the shirts you know at, at the like i talked mm-hmm. about in the interview the pictures seeing you know uh band members and audience alike wearing the shirt so I remember I was at Siren Records, summer 97, I was 16, and I bought CDs was what I bought then, and I got Speak Out, and I got Mouthpiece, what was said. Mm-hmm. And when I got those, that was what really, because keep in mind, this is 97, we all know there was, that was the Youth Crew Revival, I'm putting sure. that in quotes, because really yeah. it was just fast, 
straight edge hardcore, you know, like mm-hmm. um, we could debate about youth crew and the fact that really the youth crew was a moment in time. It's not a, a genre of music, you know, but getting the bold speak out as, and, and the mouthpiece, um, which I'm glad we'll get to talk about mouthpiece in yeah. like 20 years or whenever it is. Um, but that cemented, that kickstarted me going full 97 era, like full, like 10 yard fight uh, in my eyes, floor punch was getting that bold and just seeing that they were kids that were like my age, you know, I knew they were young and I remembered like making a tape of it, probably putting youth of today on the other side or, or something and just listening to it on the school bus. You know, at the time, if you would have asked me, I would have said nailed to the X was my favorite. And yeah, mm-hmm. the recording was like murky, but bold or kind of darker than youth of today. They have a darker, heavier sound. They do. And um, I think that, you know, do I wish that the album was recorded better? Absolutely. But it's a fucking great album. I would say it's essential. You know, if we're going to talk uh, whether some whether or not something's essential. To me, it's an essential yeah. straight edge hardcore record. I agree. Um, even even just by the look of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I, I, I can't say enough stuff about Bold because I, I honestly love Bold. I think that a lot of, and I've said this before on this podcast, I think that the recording did deter a lot of people from maybe going back to it. But for me personally, which is odd saying this, but it's never once been a reason for me to not listen to this record because I'm a fucking snob. I am a fucking snob. I will admit that freely, but the recording on this bold record never deterred me from listening to it because the fucking songs are there and the fucking layout is incredible and yeah. it to me this is not only essential and crucial but important this is it is important this Agreed. is a very important hardcore record yeah i agree and people that people that hate on bold or think that they literally are just a t-shirt band it's almost like man i can't fuck with you because like <laughs> well I, I, let's not go <laughs> I'm, I'm just i know they're like wait didn't you say we all need to be nicer to each other yeah no. but the I, se- but the seven inch is awesome and yeah, i think but, that if you i think you need one you know you need to see the progression from the lp to the seven inch is fucking killer and definitely yeah, sets them apart as a band and uh, you know that's what i think so yeah. yeah and 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 obviously like people that don't get bold i i'll say in all seriousness I do get it because I can see how the recording uh, would deter people, but it just, it didn't deter me. And, and uh, yeah. I also do think, like I said in the interview, when I listened to it just this past week, I heard Matt and Drew. I heard yeah. the vocals and the drums. And in listening to all of these records so much, uh, Bold was not a copy of anyone else around them i can hear the difference in drew's playing and sammy's playing i can hear the difference in the fills in the um, you know just the 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 way that everything is played i i don't think that bold was trying to be any of these other bands and also i cannot fucking believe that they did this at their age i know agreed my band when i was 17 was terrible yeah, we were terrible, <laughs> and I wanted to be like bold, 
but like we were we were terrible and and yeah like drew on this album even just from from break down the walls to this like he just keeps getting better as a drummer um Mm -hmm. and you know we could do a whole bit of bonus about the drummers from this scene yeah like incredibly talented luke and sammy yeah chris chris bratton and drew um it's just really awesome but save that for another time Uh, i i gotta give a shout out i know we'll get there eventually but drew's drumming on ignore us is just fucking yeah i know he was talking a little bit uh about the um, you know the similarities between his drums from the bold seven inch to into another self-titled and no he said on on um i think he said on on speak out he he, one of the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Buildups or something like a re- repurposing. Yeah, um, which is it's cool, man. But yeah, it's, you know, it's his own stuff. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, I just have one more question for the two of you. Sure. That's kind of based off of the uh, insert here, the layout. Mm-hmm. When you think when you finger points, do you do one finger or two? I think one. One I'd finger. Have to do one. Yeah, I think that I, I, think I do, you do two. One. I think that I do too, and and mostly because I've seen it. I've seen this question in a zine. I don't remember what it was, but it was like you you when you when you finger point, use one finger or two. So of course you finger point with one just because you're like, yeah, I agree with you, singer guy. You know what I mean? And so you're like all pointing in the air. But the two finger point that Siv does in this layout, it just to it me, cool. it's bold. It's it's a bold statement. Yeah, maybe you know what maybe. You know, I'm gonna have to look through, pit, like show picks. But um, Matt's doing the one. His is one point, right? Yeah, his is definitely one, and it's very accusatory. <laughs> well, his is one point. Was two. His is one point, and then Siv's like, "I'll raise your one point." Yeah, dude. Two. <laughs> if Matt had the two, it wouldn't be the same. So, uh, so anyone listening, DM us. Yeah. How many finger fingers? <laughs> Actually, I think for me, I'm mostly just the fist. I'm like all, yeah, all the like fingers, like okay, yeah, yeah. No, maybe I'll do it. I'll do a Twitter poll when this yeah. comes out. Yeah, yeah. good me. Twitter poll. Um, one. So this was a great interview to do. Uh, I'm super excited every week to do this. Uh, I'm I'm happy that we finally got to get this kind of like out of our systems. This has been like um, when you see a girl from afar. And you want to take her out on a date. And then when you go out on a date and you're like, yeah, this is true love. That's how I fucking feel about this interview, dude. This was <laughs> yeah, like, me too. I've been wanting yeah, to do it. this interview for so long. Since we started the podcast. Yeah. So. so this has been great. Um, next week, next week, we got a big one, I think. I, you know, I, I agree. I love next week's record a lot. Jason? Especially the record the the original version of it i really really enjoy what do we got next week jason double digits we're rev 10 (laughs) oh and gain of strength i actually i have another uh steve aoki story uh i have a good i have a good chain of strength story too yeah this is gonna be next week i'm really excited for that um another big one for me so that's about it that's all i got Cool. Yeah, I don't have anything else either. All right. We'll talk to everybody next week. All right. Bit of bow.
Peace. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Wear It Wed podcast. We wanted to give some special recognition to everyone who's been supporting us on Patreon, but especially our Bidipbo superfan tier. At the time of this recording, that includes the following awesome individuals. John Cowell, Joe Garambone, Brandon Gavell, Jagannath Puri Dom Dasa, and our awesome friend at the Meet Meet podcast, Ryan Rainbow. Uh, seriously, you guys, thanks so much for your support. And uh, for everybody else who supports us on Patreon, bid it bow. And for everyone that doesn't, there's still time. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Bye.